Never betray a confidential source. It's a fundamental rule of journalism, but one that's been shredded after after 100,000 personal WhatsApp messages sent and received by the UK's former health secretary were leaked to a newspaper. Matt Hancock's texts, written at the height of the COVID pandemic, expose arguments from inside government as officials debated if they should test for the virus in care homes, order face masks to be worn in schools, and how hard people should be punished if they broke lockdown rules. Not only have the revelations caused further damage to the reputation of senior MPs and the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, there is also criticism of the journalist Isabel Oakeshott, who handed the material over to the newspaper after she'd uh, written a book with the former minister. And Isabel Oakeshott joins us now on RM Breakfast. Isabel, welcome. Good morning. First of all, just tell us how you had access to these messages in the first place for those in Australia who aren't across this story. Well, just to be clear, your introduction was very inaccurate there because Matt Hancock was by no stretch a confidential source of mine. We quite openly worked on his book together and a great many of his WhatsApp messages are actually quoted in the book. Uh, But the reality was that in the time frame for writing a book, there was no way whatsoever uh, that we could go through 2.3 million words of messages sent during the pandemic. So once the book was published, I believed it was incumbent on me in the public interest to look through that material further. This was, after all, the most momentous set of events of our times with enormous uh, health and economic and social impacts. Uh, And it did not seem right to me uh, to conceal those messages. Yeah, but but you had... Uh, you actually only had access to the messages because you were writing a book uh, with uh, for um, Matt Hancock, right? So you you didn't have access so, so to do the you messages. Think, do you think it would have been more moral to hide them? Is that what you think? I don't have a view. I'm wondering about the ethics of doing a deal to write a book well, and I, then publishing them in a different context. Sure. I'm asking you about the ethics of not doing so. You can imagine that this is not a a decision that I took lightly, uh, but I can only imagine the opprobrium of colleagues within the industry and much more widely the British people if it were to be discovered uh, that for the sake of protecting a cosy political relationship uh, with a politician who's left office, uh, I decided to sit on this explosive information. For me as a journalist, uh, my number one duty is not to have cosy relationships with politicians. It is to reveal information that is overwhelmingly in the public interest. And I think it would have been absolutely wrong uh, for me to take the easy path here uh, and just confine this stuff to a hard drive somewhere. Matt Han- Hancock has, of course, accused you of a massive betrayal and breach of trust. Do you understand why he sees it that way? I think the much greater betrayal is the betrayal of the British people in the extraordinarily flawed policies that were followed uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, Look, politicians had a really difficult time. I think we can all forgive them, uh, those who led the response to the pandemic for having made mistakes. They were working under intense pressure, facing an unprecedented threat, the nature of which was initially at least quite unclear. Uh, But what is very evident from these messages is that really serious mistakes were made. In many cases, the British people were misled. 
Uh, and it is absolutely essential that that material and the knowledge of that is in the public domain so that lessons can be learned. Now, it would be different if we'd already had a public inquiry into these so very important events. For example, Sweden has wrapped up their public inquiry here in the UK. Our public inquiry hasn't really got underway mm. and there is no reason to expect it to take anything less than five and much more likely 10 years. Well, look, we can have a pandemic next month. We can't wait that long. No, no. Uh, so you say that the greater betrayal was the to the British people, but do you concede that he would feel betrayed by an arrangement that then was then used to expose that something that else? Is the lesser, that is the lesser... Um, so they are the both a betrayal, though. Well, look, I mean, many of us were betrayed. You know, I think the the focus on betrayal is an absolute sideshow. It's extraordinary uh, that anyone looking at the volume and the quality of this material should focus on one journalist's ethics and revealing it rather than uh, the immense national interest in well, releasing it. you can do it. both, I mean, can't you? I'm not the story here. I know much as it's, it's very easy and lazy to make the journalist the story. The story is the response to the lockdown. This stuff has global implications, not just British implications. And, you know, to try to project it on me, I think, is is really a, a bizarre approach to take. But yet it's been the approach most people have taken um, because... Well, no, that's completely inaccurate. You, you obviously don't live here and you can't no, possibly... No, I, I, I definitely don't live there. It. You're right. But I have, I've, okay. I've, I've well, followed well, the story closely and you've been, you've been cross-examined by many people. I've heard the interviews about the ethics. I mean, that is part of the story. Well, look, I'm very happy to address those questions. I've got no problem with it at all. And, you know, anyone who thinks this was an easy decision for me only has to listen to the grief I'm getting. But look, you know, me taking a bit of a battering over ethics is as nothing to the battering that our economy has taken, that our NHS has taken, that millions of people took during that pandemic. You think that I'm going to put my reputation ahead of that? Really? Well, there's over 100,000 messages. What did you discover about the UK's response to COVID when you read them that you think was not already in the public sphere? Well, I think that's a very reasonable question because it goes to the heart of why you know, it's worth it for me to take the pain of uh, interviews with people like you questioning my ethics. Why was that important? Uh, because we learn so much. I can give you any number of examples, I mean, just to just to quote one, uh, that the way the government approached new variants of this coronavirus was as part of a tactic to propagate fear. I mean, we learned yesterday in the Telegraph uh, on, on its front page over the weekend that our then health secretary talked about, quote, deploying the variant to, quote, frighten the pants off people. You know, this is one small insight into the campaign of fear to which the British people were systematically subjected. We learn, for example, that the, the former health secretary ignored advice from our chief medical officer to reduce the mandatory time for self-isolating. If you'd been potentially in contact with somebody who had the virus, he didn't want to reduce that period of days for fear of having made it look like they'd made a mistake previously. I think these revelations are sensational. The British press thinks they're sensational. Of course, it's fun to have a little have a little dig at me. 
it's very uncomfortable, I think, for the many people in the media who failed to ask searching questions during that entire period and merely lapped up the government speak. It's uncomfortable for them now to realise that they were wrong. Regarding the messages, you've said that there is plenty more to come. I know you've got more stories uh, that will be rolled out. What else is on the way? Well, you wouldn't expect me to pre-reveal what's in the other stages of the Telegraph coverage, but I think we can expect some some insights into uh, concerns about what other countries were doing. Um, I think we can expect probably some material on uh, the devolved administrations and so on. Uh, but I don't want to give away uh, anything more from our from our um, you know closely guarded uh, publication mm-hmm. operation here. There's a few more days of this at least, and I think here in the UK um, the story is really snowballing without anyone at the Telegraph having to try to push it along. You know we've now got people who were in government at the time, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg today. Uh, describing how the cabinet at the time of the pandemic was effectively cut out of decision making. They were not shown key evidence, which would have uh, perhaps introduced some proportionality to the response to the lockdown, while a tiny cabal of people, four men, took drastic decisions that affected all our lives. There's something very wrong about that. Isabel, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Political journalist and commentator Isabel Oakshot and... That's the biggest story in the United Kingdom right now, that's for sure. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.